Hello and welcome to today's podcast, People Won't Stop Clicking on Links, Alternative Strategies to Counter Phishing and Whaling. Studies have shown that over 90% of cyber attacks start with a phishing email and that phishing is the main ingredient in a most successful data breaches. While training employees not to click on unknown attachments can help, the reality is that human nature makes 100% prevention impossible. Thankfully, there are other strategies for assessing your vulnerability and increasing your overall security posture to prevent cyber criminals from entering your network. In this podcast, Rain's Senior Advisor for Cyber and Information, Rhea Sears, interviews Andre Crayol, CEO and founder of LifeVars, an international cybersecurity intelligence, data forensics, and incident response firm based in New York City. Prior to LifeWires, he was the CISO of IDT911, a leading identity theft, recovery, and data breach management service, and he conducted forensic investigations and cybersecurity consulting at Strasbourg, including various U.S. government engagements and military cyber special operations. His experience covers a wide range of cyber resiliency matters, from data breaches and theft of intellectual property to anti-money laundering and financial fraud. With that, I'll turn it over to our moderator, Rhea Sears. Thanks, Greg. I'm very happy to be here today with Andre. I want to kick right off into the main subject. Tell us um, really what you do when you begin investigating fishing, fishing issues. When somebody calls you and says, we have a problem, what do you do? Uh, thank you, Ria and Greg, for a great introduction and having me on uh, today's podcast. The, generally, when the fishing happens and when it first notice, uh, it's often too late. Giving you an example of ransomware, they don't know they've been fished. They only see the computers and systems being encrypted, and a message is basically propagating through the network and a lot of movement from that malware itself. So most of the cases in the phishing last year, I would say close to 40%, which is a, quite a category in its own, has been ransomware attacks. And those attacks didn't manifest themselves, not by phishing, like recognizing the email itself, but by encrypting systems and asking for uh, ransom in bitcoins. Now, on the systems that someone is actually seeing or detecting the phishing, that's a little bit different story. And I can tell you most of the individuals, either IT professionals on basing civilians, do not live on that high level of paranoia. Like, Ria, did you wake up today and you're thinking you're going to perhaps uh, die today? Uh, hopefully not, no. <laughs> because it's a low probability, right? So we all believe it's a very low probability. It's like a 4%. And why that 4% should happen to me? Um, when I go to the doctor, he tells me that someone at my age, the probability is around 4%, I'm going to die. But ultimately, fishing is happening every day. Every day, that 4% probability is happening to any of us. Um, and um, being a little bit what we call cyber resilient is, is truly important. So how do you build that cyber resilience? I know a lot of times you come in and you're really the fireman. You're, you're really putting out the fire. But if you have the opportunity in the best-case scenario, someone calls you and says, we want to start from scratch. We want to make sure we eliminate some of our biggest problems, including fishing, among other things. And what do you tell them to do? So let's think about the phishing itself. So, for example, email system. 
is there anything in front of the email system that scans for these malicious links or attachments before it gets to your door? Or do you let the barrier knock on a door every day and then you're thinking that their tools are not going to be as efficient to cut through the door? Um, and that's, that's, a, that's one piece into it. So that's something that company or individuals can think through what their party service they could have before the mail gets to them. Now, many of them actually do have it, believe it or not, and for many larger corporations still failing. And the failing factor is simple. Are these devices like a camera pass through, or they're like a constant scanning solutions, like something that you, for example, have your endpoint you're probably very familiar with, is a program that's constantly scanning all your documents on a daily basis. Can you do the same with the mailboxes? Meaning, if you didn't detect that phishing three days ago, but now you know it's a phishing because of all the threat intelligence that you are getting, can you now go and pinpoint those users and be sure that, that the attacker actually didn't get into your environment? Um, very simple solution that most of the companies don't have is, uh, and you heard about this, is just the spoofing the CFO, CEO email. And they can distinguish if the email really came from inside or outside of the network. When someone is just spoofing the complete headers, what we call internet headers and parameters in the email, and the email really comes from outside while that individual is actually sitting on his desk, they, they don't know that. They don't know that it's just basically another phishing email attack that's coming, that should not even come from an external source. It should only come from the internal email system. There should be message from the CEO internally to that individual internally. It shouldn't have any other metadata affiliated with the internet. And almost 60% of companies have nothing for this. They can't even detect it. If I'll spoof uh, someone's email and I'll send it to the company, it looks as real as that CEO sending the message to the CFO to wire the money. And attackers do know that. The third component of everything is us. Um, and uh, Ria, do you like the, uh, like the Da Vinci book, books about the DNA and a code? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of sounds fascinating, right? Like Paul... You know, Don Brown momentum and uh, who we really are and what defines us. And I said the we are as cyber resilient as our code. Right? Ultimately, for many of us, believe it or not, we have these <clears throat> predispositions that we've done gone from our code, and there are certain predispositions, what we can do very well in our life, what we can't do very well. Let me give you an example. Um, I, was, I was literally prohibited by any form of professional singing because they could not distinguish what that actually is. If it's a, if it's a meaningful something where I'm really trying or I'm making a fun, like people could not really comprehend what that actually is. Uh, but I'm good at something else, but really bad in something else. It's just, you know, the uh, reality of the code. And I have to live with this piece of the code. And unfortunately, I can't change it. The same uh, for the humans. Each of us has this quality of being something and it's just, you just can't buy anti-fishing vaccine and go around the company and say, hey, I'm, you know, this, you inject your body and be changing your genome today. You're going to live on a higher level of paranoia. You, you become a different person and this is how it's going to work. Um, and no amount of training will help. It's just the reality. It can, it can minimize and it's important, but it's not the ultimately preventative solution, right? It is a solution that you need to have in a place. And, but it still leaves the, the five, ten percent of that higher level of sophistication coming through it. 
So building You mentioned this higher level of sophistication. Um, can you give some examples of this? You already alluded to this in terms of, I think people don't understand how sophisticated social engineering has become in terms of uh, what we're calling whaling or, you know, specialty uh, fishing. Do you have any examples of where um, it's just been kind of amazing to sit back and look at what some of um, the intruders are trying to do? Um, I, so I can give an example of very successful whaling expeditions from chairman of the board, C-level executives, to financial individuals such as CFO and accounting and but really very little profile. We have a client that gets fished every two months. And it's not only him. It's about 70, 80 individuals are fished in this scheme. The attackers do bring the platform based in a Google. And Google is phenomenal, by the way, because Google strips all the headers. So it's, it all looks real at that point, right? So Google is, is actually a friend of the phishing. Um, yeah. And they, they load it into it into the platform. They create also Google domain at that point, so they fill it like a real domain with this that only exists like two three hours before the phishing, and they decommission the whole attack after the phishing. So all that infrastructure only lives to six seven hours into it. And when you when that individual clicks actually reply, it sticks something to the address where the record forwards this to the attackers. So they set up these records on internet where. It comes back to this platform, Google platform, and it forwards to actually another email to uh, that, that email message, just in virtue of what they call the records, internet records. Uh, and that's very hard to trace. And uh, it's not easy. We have to be very quick, meaning they have to very quickly tell us this is happening and try to interact with these attackers, uh, try to lure, lure them into something and reveal the steps. The um, me as a foreign national, I, I tell you, the, one of the highest level of sophistication is um, ultimately proofreading and spelling of the messages. Because many of the uh, spam messages, you can see grammatical errors or not the best structures of words that have been included in those messages. So, um those are really good examples, and people don't always take the time to see those errors. It takes them a while to kind of uh, come up to speed. And you mentioned that training is not a 100% solution, or creating extreme paranoia, as you put it, is not a 100% solution. So if there are diminishing returns due to humans, because the lessons are short-lived, um, what technical solutions do you recommend that people focus on? In cyber resilience framework, we believe that you should do something outside of your company, at the perimeter, and inside of the enterprise itself. So let's think about this. Outside, what can be done outside? So technological solutions today on outside, they scan these email messages for attachments. They scan it for malicious links. They do two things. They compare something to known, what we call indicator of the compromise or threat intelligence, and they also perform real-time checking or cross-checking what that link actually is. Is that link malicious? Would that link download the malware? Uh, is that Word document 
that's including message real or does it contain any type of a malware? So we perform what we call the full sandbox or detonation of those documents, and that's on outside. Uh, and of course, it can be mail flow, meaning just, just one time, or it can be this constant scanning through uh, integrated type of the tools that live in a cloud and every day they scale my mailbox. That's what, um, that's what many of the professional companies like I do. So we basically scan the mailbox every day, multiple times, like in a, during a day, if a link or, or another petition, malicious attachment has been discovered with the malware, we want to know. Right? We, 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 wanna be, we still want to have a very fast detection. At the perimeter, when that arrives, either in the cloud or on a prem, the technological solutions generally scan now more deeper the mailbox itself. So now we actually have the message in the mailbox. It's not that we have to create a digital replica as we did before it arrives to us. And now we can look at all, also all the metadata with the content again and scrutinize the different type of a scanning techniques that are perhaps used for uh, email servers or delivery vehicles when it's uh, sitting in, in that container. And the last component, when it comes to a user, at the user endpoint, we want to know if the user actions, him opening an email, trigger an avalanche effect in the endpoint security solution. Whatever is sitting on his machine, we want to understand that because I opened that email, something else get, was open, a program has been in, inserted in the memory, and it created certain avalanche of effect that only malware or a potentially harm infection drive by download out of the internet from that link would be delivered with the payload to that computer. Um, while we can test some of those uh, elements, sometimes they're quite sophisticated, they only really work for that individual. Right, but we want to know mm -hmm. at every of those mm -hmm. at every of those stages and raise the probability. Now, what happens with in, with such a process is that something that has been ranked 40, 60 percent potentially malicious before it gets to the company, at the perimeter of the company now is ranked as highly suspicious. And now the option, the system can make automated decisions mm -hmm. that would I let it to the user or would this go to the review administrators? And the policy is more lax on the company says, let's go back to the user. Now, pretty much in next five, ten minutes, the administrator would know that uh, he actually let the detonator malware or trigger an avalanche on that computer. Uh, the user is important in that interaction for two reasons. One is he may may not to spot it's, it is a phishing email. If he doesn't, the second thing that the user usually does know is how his computer is running. But for example, you're, you know your computer when it's slow and it's not slow. And when, that, when something is holding the computer for a few, let's say, 30 seconds to a minute and trying to perform some action, consumes the memory, and trying to deploy all the toolkit into it, it consumes some resources. It's very quick, but at the same page, you're moving your mouse and you realize it is slower. You can see it. Almost everyone can see it when you actually get infected. And you want that uh, disclosure from a user that says, yeah, I can't observe it uh, ran slow. I can't observe so you, something was going on. So what you're really creating is a holistic approach. You know, there's a lot of things out on the market that talk solely about stopping phishing attacks. But what you're really talking about is those have to be hardwired into your entire resilience strategy. Um, there is another um, thing we frequently hear from companies when they're considering 
holistic strategies as well as phishing, and that is their concern that technical solutions impede employee workflow. Um, is that true in practice? Is it um, does it really slow things down that much? Are we seeing things are we seeing things held up and work held up, or does it become more natural in terms of the way um, the business flows after a while? Implementation of various solutions can have impact on performance. So let me give an example. If that email was guaranteed by the administrator, and an administrator takes six hours to clear the message for the user, now perhaps an important message from the individual outside that was flagged for as false positive, now it was not delivered. So it does create an impact for the company. So every time there is implementation of technology, we have to think through what is the business impact and what is the risk tolerance for that technology being successful. And now in a phishing, if 60% is enough for message to pass through and 65 is not, now what are these messages at the 60 that are still coming through? Because most of this nation state are maybe at a level of 10 to 20 of concern by scoring of any kind of a system in a phishing. Now, should we everything now tailored towards nation state type of attacks? So there's, there's, there's always the, the trade-off between the productivity and security. Can that be minimized? The, the answer is yes. The only way it can be minimized, in my opinion, is if you have these multiple solutions in a certain order, and you can compare the ranking because what's not ranking in one is ranking in the other. And then the flow of that message and impact to a user can be minimized. Where this everything fails is that companies do believe in beautiful magic solutions. Like I buy this one and it's going to solve all my problems. <laughs> and, and you know, Ria, I mean, you've been in the doctor multiple times. There is no cure. There is no one pill for every sickness on the planet. It just doesn't exist. And by the way, when we are sick, we have to take multiple things and vitamins and all kinds of different medications and might even go for injections. It's just the reality. While in technology, we believe somehow that one thing that we purchased does all this miracle. So this is important, I think, for people to realize. There is a tendency to think there is one, di you know, there's one diagnosis. Uh, and there's one cure for every problem that occurs in cyber. Um, and this might be why people focus on phishing, because they see it as something they might be able to cure independently. Um, but what you're telling us is it has to be part of the, the total solution. So how does that work? I mean, you're, um, you deal with companies from the small to the really large multinational. Are these solutions scalable from the small to the biggest? Um, how do you work that, for example, when you're dealing with a relatively small company that has limited resources, probably not that many networks or systems? And is there a flow to that? Is there a scalability that people should be aware of so they don't walk away from trying to um, deal with some potential cyber risk? And this is this is a very good question, um, and it comes to the human nature of us. And I remember when I was much younger, 
every time I had to put a nail on a wall, I tried to figure out how to do it by myself. And I think that's what most of the companies are, are struggle is how much should I really outsource and what should I do by myself? And what would be my true budget if I did it by myself versus to outsource? They sh all should be thankful to cloud. When you look at some of the cloud solutions today, the budget, how much it costs to host your email platform, how much it costs to secure an email platform in the cloud, and if you're a small business uh, to medium business, most likely you can compete with their budget. You can compete with the expertise they get, and if you buy some additional services to monitor and help you and help you to really release something in that cloud, probably you can't, you can't do it in the house with your budget. So the reality is there are a lot of scalable solutions and most likely solutions that would play well in, from a small to mid-size are all outsourced and most likely in the cloud. Mm -hmm. The bigger companies or companies that do have to control the content more granularly, they probably either like the hybrid solution or have everything in-house. Now having everything in-house now requires that that company has a really good maturity in handling the email server, um, security, understand the flow, how it's coming in and out, uh, can set up some rules, can set up some security measures that would work uh, very well for them. There, we see many failures is that mid-sized companies trying to do this in-house with very limited resources and they let those systems run for a long period of time completely unmanaged, um, not really looked over, and performance neither security checks had not been done. There is no difference here than basically ran um, a nursing home without regular checkup. Things can go awfully wrong very quickly. And let's stick with your medical analogy because I like it. Um, Really, what we're telling companies here is, you know, just buying products like over-the-counter drugs is not necessarily your solution. What you really need is to see a specialist and to really diagnose where your greatest risk and problem is. So um, what do you see coming down the pike? Any specific trends that we haven't discussed that you see that are impacting not just phishing, but the, a broader issue of protecting email and communication in companies? The biggest trend and change today is false perception that it will not happen to me and I have nothing important is changing. It can happen to me and I do have something important to lose. Either it's just limited pocket money what I have, my reputation, my brand, it can affect my friends. When I get sick, my friends do get sick. It's finally a realization that the consequences of one individuals do have effect and they do propagate, manifest themselves in the circle where that individuals or enterprise is actually positioned. And I think that's the biggest shift. Maybe five, 10 years ago, the, the word cyber is still something really nice and has this good buzz on the street today, but it wasn't really connected to the damage they, they can create for, for, that, for that individual. And now most of the civilians and enterprises do believe that the cyber could be a potentially very damaging to them. 
I think that's a great point. Uh, and I think the, the crux of what we've discussed here um, is really operating procedures and thinking for companies in the area of fiber. They have to recognize that they can't walk away from the problem. Um, they need a holistic solution that also includes fishing and other issues. Uh, and they have to look for a solution that not just fits their budget, but really fits their risk. I mean, those are the, the areas. So with that, do you have any parting words to, the, to our listeners about what they should do, um, aside from what we've already discussed, or what's the first thing you'll tell them to do after they get off this podcast? I would ask them to go to their phone book, to go to their email, and think through it. Who would they ask for help if they really needed to help? The same as you're thinking 911 or you are thinking a doctor and you're thinking like a regular type of a health checkup. Like what would be that help that they really think they need? Would they really need just maybe twice a year for someone to look over everything's running well? Are they in state of emergency because they are government contractor and they process some sensitive material? Or they have really not that much and everything's being outsourced. They just want to have one year a professional meditation or a cyber therapy session about feeling them well, that everything's going well. What would that level of engagement that they need? They do need some level of engagement with a professional. There's no question. And then they need to really go and try to determine what is the proper level of engagement that they need to have with that conversa- in conversation with that professional. And I often get those questions, for example, from CEOs, and they're asking me, I mean, you run as a CISO, Information Security Office. What is that? What are these questions I should be asking my individuals that I sleep well, that I understand that they're holding our position well, that we spend all that money and budget well, and perhaps that we diversify our risk in various areas well. And it's not good and right and wrong answer, and it's not finger-pointing mission to the individuals of the company. It's really the thinking, I got this. Security is not a product. I can't buy this. This is something I have to think about every day. And maybe every day is only 1% of my time or 2% of my time, but this is a process, and the process as a journey is exploration, and I have to be asking questions. And I do need to know who on the other side gives me the answers that I need. I think that's a great way to sum up. I mean, basically, cybersecurity has to be a collaboration or it won't be successful. And uh, I think all our listeners understand now how you and your company fit in to make this work. Um, so I want to thank you for your, your help and your guidance on this podcast and some great words of advice uh, and great leads for people to consider as they tighten up their defenses and address their risk. 